Well, welcome back to our final week of our sermon series, Unlikely Missionaries, as we're talking about how God uses people that you would never expect, people who are very unlikely, to be his missionaries and to be his disciples. Have any of you ever used one of these before? It's a hands-free hydration water pack. Most people prefer to drink their water out of, like, a bottle or a glass cup. Uh, but some people drink it from something like that. Maybe if you are an extreme hiker or bicyclist, um, you've used this before. Um, and these kind of started back in 1988. There was a man named Michael Eidson, and he entered to sign up for a 100-mile bike race in uh, Texas. So during the summer in Texas, a 100-mile bike race. And as you can imagine... Uh, he would get pretty thirsty because it's super hot and he's biking 100 miles. Uh, so you know what he did? Uh, so that he wouldn't have to be slowed down, he got one of those drip bags from the hospital and he kind of put it in a sock and he wired it up his back and he taped the, the bag to his back so that he could drink from it. And voila, hands-free hydration was discovered. And you've probably never heard of Michael Eidson before, uh, but maybe you heard about uh, Camelback water bottles. He's the founder of this company, and he came up with uh, things like that, Camelback water bottles. And the whole reason, the whole reason why I told you that story is because I like the slogan of Camelback water bottles. Hydrate or die. Hydrate or die. I like it because um, it's not only funny, but it's true. Hydrate or die. Doctors tell us that we should be drinking eight glasses of water a day. And if you don't get that much, it's going to affect your life. You know, you should, to be healthy, you should drink lots of water. Um, but I don't care uh, if you are the best athlete in the world, the best competitor, that if you're dehydrated, your performance is going to be trash. You're not going to have the same amount of energy you would as opposed to if you're hydrated. And if you don't drink water for up to three days, you could potentially even die. Hydrate or die. And I want you to keep that slogan in the back of your head as we talk about the conversation that Jesus had with this woman in our gospel lesson for today. As we talk about um, unlikely missionaries, the person who Jesus talked to next uh, was super unlikely to be called to be a missionary. Let me give you a couple reasons why. So why was this woman uh, an unlikely missionary who Jesus talked to? Well, first off, she was a Samaritan. So the story begins by Jesus uh, sitting down at a well with this woman in Samaria. But there's a problem with that because Jews and Samaritans, they hated one another. Um, Samaria was kind of in the middle of Israel. And if a Jew wanted to travel from the south to the north of Israel, instead of cutting right through Samaria, they would often go around it, adding an extra 30 miles to their trip. Can you imagine that, walking like a marathon distance just to avoid seeing Samaritans? Uh, so the fact that Jesus, who was a, Drew, a Jew, talking to a Samaritan, uh, that was a big deal. They were different races who hated each other. Uh, um, and second reason why she's an unlikely missionary is because she's a woman. Uh, back then in that society, to have Jesus, a man, sitting down one-on-one with a woman uh, was culturally taboo. That's just something you didn't, you didn't see happening. Men talked to their wives, and that's it. They didn't spend time one-on-one with somebody of the opposite gender. Um, and finally, this woman had a reputation. 
As we're going to find out in a little bit, this woman had been married five different times and was with another guy. So can you imagine what it'd be like if somebody walked past that well and saw Jesus talking with a woman like that? Uh, that's the type of reputation she had. She was a promiscuous woman. Uh, but Jesus uh, walks right through Samaria and sits down on that well, and eventually he's going to call her to be a missionary. And this is what Jesus said to her. He said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus walked up to this woman and asked her for a drink. And the woman was surprised. She's like, you're talking to me? I'm, I'm a Samaritan woman. Are you sure you're, you're talking to me? Uh, you should be talking to me. And that's when Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have got me water by now. Because everyone who drinks the water I give them, uh, will give them, will have water that will, uh, that you will never thirst. And this woman kind of thought that Jesus was describing like this super form of Gatorade where you have one sip of it and you'll never have to go back to the well again because it just it makes you hydrated your whole life. But Jesus is clearly using a metaphor here, talking about uh, these desires that we have, these thirsts that we have in our life. Uh, but she didn't fully get it. Uh, and that's when Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have had no husband The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. So this woman had been married five times. This woman went through men like the Minnesota Vikings go through quarterbacks. Every couple of years, they get a new guy, and he's going to fulfill all our deepest desires. This is the chosen one. This guy's going to be different. But eventually, it leads to failure. I was happy with that one. Can you tell? Um, I was happy with that thought. Um, but this woman, uh, uh, as Jesus pointed out, she had a thirst in her heart, and she thought she could fulfill it with men. Uh, this husband, this guy, he's going to be different. He's the one that's going to make me happy. Uh, but he failed. So then she got married again, but this time it's going to be different. He's a good guy. He's going to make me happy to satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. Uh, but it didn't work out. And that leads to the first point I want to talk to you about today is that our bodies crave water, but our hearts are thirsty too. Our bodies crave water. We need water every single day of our lives, but our hearts are thirsty too. And this is true for the young woman who finds her worth by looking in the mirror. She spends hours shopping for the right clothes and the right makeup. She goes to the gym constantly and examines herself in the mirror. But why does she do this? So she can find a man to call her beautiful. So she can feel loved. Why? Because she's thirsty. The same is true for the teenager who works hard every single day at school. While some students get a bad grade here and there, he's, he's, not, he's not fine with that. He jokes around and calls himself a perfectionist, but he knows it's true. Why does he do that? Why does he work so hard? So he can get a good job someday, so he can get a pat on the back from his parents, so he can get respect. Why does he act that way? Because he's thirsty. And what about the busy mother who pours her whole life into her children? She just wants to see them happy. She wants to see them excel. 
So she spends all of her time rushing around to the right sporting events and the right clubs so that her children will never fall behind. Why does she do this? Because her children define her life. Because her children's happiness is directly proportionate to her happiness. Because this mother is thirsty. It's also true for the father, as well as he works hard every single day to get ahead at his job. He wants to be a leader. He wants a promotion. He wants to take care of his family. Why? So he can be respected. Because he finds worth at his job. But why does he do this? It's because he's thirsty. And the same is true for older people who just want some company. Today might be the day where the kids call. Today might be the day where the grandkids come. They used to feel so important, but not so much anymore. They just want to be remembered. They just want to be visited. They just want to have a purpose. And to you, she might just look like a lonely grandmother, but deep down, she is thirsty. Our bodies crave water, but our hearts are thirsty too. Look at this Bible passage from Psalm chapter 63 that we read before. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My body longs for you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So God describes the life of a Christian that if you believe in God as your Savior, that you will be so thirsty, you will crave God's presence. But so often, uh, instead of turning to God for his presence to satisfy our thirsts, we turn to something else. I want to show you another Bible passage from the book of Jeremiah. This is, the book of Jeremiah was written during a dark time in Israel's history, uh, and it talks about what they did with their thirsts. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So this passage says that the people really committed two sins. The first sin is that they turned away from God and their word. That's, you know, big sin number one. But the second sin is that they dug their own cisterns and they went to a different source. They went to something else to satisfy those thirsts in their life, something that wasn't God. And that leads to our second point. Outside things will never satisfy an inner thirst. Things out there in this world will never satisfy those deep longings that we have. Because each one of us, deep down, we crave love, acceptance, intimacy, security, peace, happiness. But whenever we turn to something else in this world to satisfy that deep longing in our heart, we will always be left disappointed. I kind of want to picture it for you like this. Imagine your heart is like a funnel. And you're pouring something into that funnel. Um, and this is kind of a list that I have that kind of sum up things that people usually turn to to satisfy their thirsts. Family, career, alcohol or partying, romance, beauty, money. I have a feeling that there's something on this list that jumps out to you. You tell yourself that if I had a better family, then I'd finally be happy. If my career went the way I wanted it to, if I got that good job, then I'd be satisfied. I sure have a lot of fun partying on the weekend. Um, if I got in that right romantic relationship, if my husband treated me better, if my girlfriend uh, finally showed up, um, I work hard at my body because if somebody told me I was beautiful, that would just make my whole life. Um, and money, uh, so many people turn to money as well. 
But you know what it's like to turn to one of those things to satisfy your deep longings? It's like pouring water down a funnel. It might satisfy you for a little bit, but eventually it's gone. Money might make you happy for a little bit, but it's not going to make you happy for your whole life. Getting that boyfriend or girlfriend might make you happy for a while, but years later, that happiness goes away. Turning to outside things to satisfy an inner longing will always lead us disappointed. And if you need some proof of convincing that, then just ask Jim Carrey. You know Jim Carrey? You know, he's kind of the slapstick comedian from the 90s, early 2000s. Um, and even though he's a famous celebrity, he grew up having a really hard life. Um, his parents were a little messed up. His dad was a struggling musician who um, ended up getting let off from his job. And his mom got an illness that prevented her from allowing um, her to work anymore. So at the age of 15, uh, Jim Carrey got a job as a janitor trying to support his family. But as you can imagine, a 15-year-old uh, janitor job uh, cannot support a family, so they ended up losing their house. And for a while, the Carey family ended up living out of a van. So they were living out of a van, but that's when Jim Carrey uh, tried stand-up comedy. And he was really good at it. And he got noticed for it. He got recognized for it. And since then has been in over 40 movies and has a net worth of over $150 million. So Jim Carrey knows what it's like to be on the bottom. And he also knows what it's like to be on the top. And while Jim Carrey was at the top, this is what he said. I hope everybody could get rich and famous and get everything they ever dreamed of so that they will know that it is not the answer. This is coming from somebody who, from a worldly perspective, has it all. He has all the money. He's been with beautiful women. He's lived in a van, and he's also lived in a mansion. And he says, I hope that people get everything they dream of just so they can find out that it's not the answer. Because you know why? Even at the top, Jim Carrey is still thirsty. I know what you're thinking. Oh, that sure does sound hard being a rich celebrity. That sure sounds tough. Um, and even if you're not craving those celebrity desires, your middle-class thirsts are just as unsatisfying. You might not want $150 million, but you tell yourself, if I just got a little bit more on my paycheck, then I'd be happy. You might not want to marry a supermodel, but if I just got a girlfriend, then I'd be happy. You might not want to be a rich and famous celebrity, but you still want to be noticed and respected. But your middle-class thirsts are just as unsatisfying as celebrity thirsts. Deep down, each one of us is thirsty. But we turn to something else instead of Jesus to fulfill those thirsts. We will always be left disappointed. This is how the conversation ended with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. The woman said to him, I know that a Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus was speaking differently to this woman. He knew before that she even told him that she had had five husbands. So she knew that there was something special about this guy. And they started talking about religion a little bit. And she said, I heard a Savior's coming. I heard a Messiah is coming. And that's when Jesus revealed to this woman, I am who you speak of. I am the Messiah. He revealed to her that he is the living water, and it changed her life. 
Point number three. Jesus died so that you could be hydrated. Jesus died so that you could be hydrated. Jesus is the living water. But to become the living water, Jesus had to go through so much pain and so much thirst. While Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to God, and the Bible says that sweat dripped from his brow, sweat as big as drops of blood dripped off his forehead as he prayed so fervently to the Lord. And he never regained that sweat. He never regained that hydration. He never regained that water. And after that, he was arrested, and he was put on trial, and they had Roman soldiers whip him and beat him. And as they whipped him, they tore skin off his back, and blood and sweat and water oozed off of him. And they put a crown of thorns on his head, where Jesus continued to lose more blood and more water, becoming more and more dehydrated. But then it gets worse. They had Jesus carry his own cross. Uh, normally, uh, from what uh, we learn from the culture, is that uh, they carried the, just the crossbar, but that crossbar could weigh up to 100 pounds. And he had to carry that 100 pounds. He had to lunge that uh, crossbar as far as he could. Um, but are you any surprised that he collapsed because of all the water that he lost? His strength was giving away. And after he carried that crossbar, he hung on a cross for six hours. And for six hours, Jesus hung there as he lost blood and sweat and water. Is it a surprise to you at all that when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, I thirst. And a soldier gave him just a drink from a sponge, not enough to satisfy all of his deep thirst, but just enough for him to cry out, it is finished, so that he could pay the price for all the times we've thirsted for a wrong thing, for all the times we look to something else in this world to satisfy our deep longings. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus went through scorching thirst so that we will never have to go through being thirsty again. Jesus went through that deep pain so that he could become the living water. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus, when Jesus was given the option between hydrate or die, Jesus chose death. Jesus chose to die instead of being hydrated. And he did that so that he could become the living water and fulfill all the deepest desires of our hearts one day. Which leads to our fourth point. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desires of your heart. Jesus is the only one. You know those cravings that you've had in your life. You know those cravings for love, respect, and intimacy. But the only person who can fulfill them is Jesus. To the young, self-conscious woman, Jesus says, You are more beautiful than you could ever imagine. You are without sin and holy. I love you more than any man ever could. To the perfectionist, he says, I am perfect so you don't have to be. I did it all. You are enough. To the addict, he says, you don't need to indulge in that anymore, for I am all you need. To the young man craving to feel important, he says, you want purpose? I am calling you to be my disciple. To the busy mother, he says, you are enough. You're enough. You are part of my family. You are my child. To the Father, he says, I am your shield and your strength. I am watching over you and providing for your family better than you ever could. And to the older people, he says, you are not alone. You're not alone, for I am with you. What is in store for you in this next life is more wonderful and beautiful than anything you've ever seen. 
Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desires of your hearts. He's the only one that can fulfill those deep cravings and longings that you have. But if you still need convincing, if you still need proof of that, then just ask Tom Brady. You know Tom Brady, the uh, six-time quarterback uh, of who won the Super Bowl six times? Um, ladies, I'll have to take your word for it, but many women out there seem to think that Tom Brady is very attractive. Uh, he made the cover of GQ magazine. He has a $20 million home in L.A. and a $13 million condo in New York. Uh, he's married to Giselle, a Brazilian supermodel. So guys, let me ask you this. If you were a starting quarterback in the NFL and were married to a Brazilian supermodel, do you think you'd be happy? I see the, the husband in the back shake his head. No, honey, that would not make me happy. Uh, great answer. But uh, a few years back, um, on 60 Minutes, Tom Brady was getting interviewed, and he said, why is it that I feel like there's just something more out there for me? And the reporter asked him, well, what do you think it is? And Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we know. We know what it is. We know the thing that can satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. When you die and are at heaven's gates and God asks you, why should I let you in? You know the one word answer. It's Jesus. But if I asked you, what's the one thing that can make you truly satisfied today? It's the same answer. Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desires of our hearts. He is the true living water. He is the one who satisfies our thirst. And that's what Jesus does for us. And that's what we've been talking about throughout this whole series of unlikely missionaries. We saw Jesus speak to a woman who tried men. She thought men would be the reason to give her happiness, but Jesus pointed her to himself and said, I am the Messiah. And since he pointed her to the living water and she believed it, you know what she did? She went back to her hometown and she told everybody the conversation that she's had. She said, guess what? I met Jesus. He told me about my dark past, but he also told me that he's the living water. And so many more people believed. And since we know the living water, let's point other people to that direction as well. We saw Jesus talk to a demon-possessed man and get him to be a missionary. We heard about how he helped a tax collector and a Pharisee and uneducated fishermen. He used so many different people to be his disciples. So now, if God could use somebody like that, do you think he could maybe use you? We do this all in his name. Amen. Please stand.